Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Corey. I'm Ginny. I'm Natalie. And we are the Art History Babes. And we have a very special guest with us today. Hello. <laughs> a return guest. <laughs> a returner. Second time guest. Second time guest, Miss Faith Sponsler, who also happens to be our current featured artist, which is a very excited, exciting program. We just... Exciting and excited. It's... Yeah. <laughs> All the above. Yeah. <laughs> it truly is. Um, so we've just recently started doing this featured artist thing, and Faith has been our first featured artist, and it's been really fun and cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel so honored. <laughs> um, so if you haven't heard about this, you can head over to our website, arthistorybabes.com, and click the featured artist tag, and you can learn all about Faith and her work. And you can also purchase special prints that Faith did as a collaboration with us mm -hmm. that turned out really cool. Yeah. Thank you. Um, they were made here, <laughs> where we're sitting. Where we are. Oh, my gosh. We're in the workshop. There's still a few of them left. We've sold quite a bit of them. Yes, over half. So Yay. less than 10 are left. Oh. Hop on it. Yeah, oh guys. My. Act now. Get that print do it <laughs> get that print get, get that print they're also just super fun because you get to have like a hand in them because they're mm -hmm. like these magic mm -hmm. color changing prints do you want to talk about that a little bit sure yes it's much better to describe it than to like try and write it out uh on yeah. my site um. because people are like what is this thing like mm -hmm. color change how does it work witchcraft witchcraft <laughs> <laughs> magic and people are like is it is it heat is it whatever and no it's um it's this ink that i use quite a bit in my primary work which is called iron gall ink and it's made from uh, the combination of iron and tannins which uh are found in a lot of things including wine that wine. we're drinking wine now we're drinking currently 
But green tea works the best for the prints. And so I soak the prints or I soak the paper for the prints in an iron bath beforehand. So Mm -hmm. they're like this sort of yellow parchment color. And then I print with like regular wood block or lino cut block uh, printing ink on top of that. And then I send it to you. And you make some really strong green tea and pour it over top and let it sit for a while. And it turns like... It could turn black, it could turn violet, maybe mm-hmm. a blue color, which um, is one of my favorite parts. None yeah. of them look the same. Mine was kind of violet. It was beautiful. Nice. Oh, yes. And your mom ordered oh a few from me. Oh, my God. <laughs> my mom. I was like, wait, I just I just saw this address. This is Ginny's oh. address. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we have different last names. So it's like a little mysterious. But it, then yeah. my mom is like all about faith. <laughs> and like wrote a review and wrote so faith, like a like a thank you <laughs> and like wrote something else probably. So like I had gotten some prints for people for Christmas and then my my mom included and then she got me a print but we That's didn't know. Amazing. <laughs> I, I kept that secret. I think she you bought one good. for a friend too. She just got a the Panther. Oh, print she did for a friend. Yeah, that one yep. is my current favorite. Oh and yeah, it's I so dope. I'm probably going to buy one soon. I'll just give you one, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> so FaZe has also recently started doing these really fun 3D versions of the obelisk. Oh, my oh yeah, the obelisk is great too. The obelisk. Gonna have um, to get Ginny an obelisk. So oh my there's God. like an, a whole nother level of like getting to like build something. Yeah, and, like, which is just so fun yeah it kind of reminds me of like being younger and doing like the um the paper dolls and stuff oh totally yeah you know what i mean but i loved those way cooler and more interesting (laughs) yeah yeah, heteronormative yeah (laughs) yeah it's like we're the paper doll boys (laughs) right (laughs) exactly um but so those are also something you can check out on our Etsy shop. There mm-hmm. are lots of really cool. Uh, what all have you done for those? You've done Pantheon. Pantheon, Obelisk. I did uh, the St. Vitus Cathedral mm-hmm. nice. in Prague. I did the tw- uh, 20-sided die for Dungeons and Dragons. Fuck yeah. Like um, I said, I'm going to be ordering one of those. Yes. my brother. Oh, yeah. Those are like slightly more complicated to put together. But I figure like. You're a nerd. I was gonna like, say D and D people. You can figure will, it out. Yeah, they I, play, I have so much faith in you that you can figure it out. <laughs> oh, yes. they will take that challenge yeah. and enjoy every second of it. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I did have just one question, kind of maybe more on like the sciencey side of things. Is sure. there a reason? that green tea works better or have you figured out a reason why green tea works better i've theorized because like there's no literature on this stuff yeah i this is my own thing and coffee i i don't know if it's like the roasting maybe Mm. process it processes it to too much coffee works like oh not as good like those prints i gave you guys Mm -hmm. were like sort of brown black yeah other teas that are more processed don't work as well so i I think maybe that's a part of it like there are more tannins that haven't been like either roasted out or just like in the processing yes exactly so that's my theory i really don't know uh (laughs) but green tea just seems to work the best i haven't tried white tea which is like the least processed right but it could work just as well or better 
colors you might get from the yeah that could be kind of i sort of want to try wine does not work i've tried it i've tried many a wine <laughs> honestly that's probably good because then you're not wasting wine right exactly <laughs> oh, i just right. used a little bit and it did yeah. not work yeah hmm. that's fine you can also buy your own and just experiment widely true different yeah. liquids that's true and see what happens exactly and you do. You also don't have to like completely submerge it. You can like dapple it with tea if you want oh, to. Oh, like half and half. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. You could, yeah, you could do like a create almost like a watercolor effect using like different Whoa. liquids. Ah, oh, so <gasps> many, so many possibilities. And we'll link a link a link. <laughs> we'll put link a link. Insert a link. <laughs> we'll put a link to Faith's website in our show notes, so you guys listening to this will be able to go down and just check it all out cruise mm-hmm. over mm-hmm. yeah that's more of like my fun work and then i do have like primary work that i is continued from grad school too like bigger mm-hmm. stuff yes. which is amazing it's also fun yeah it, it is. is and it's really interesting <laughs> <laughs> christina just whispered that uh it's going to be in the <laughs> chancellor's catalog Woo, that's yeah, very exciting. that's super cool. Thanks. I don't know if we've mentioned before, too, that you had the work purchased mm-hmm. by the Manetti Shrem Museum. Yeah. So if anyone's visiting, pretty Davis, cool, super cool. They have a sponsor. They have a sponsor. Sponsor original. It's in, it's in the <laughs> chancellor's residence now, which is a very really? strange place. Whoa. Yes. Whoa. It's all oh. blue and gold on the inside. Wee. And then there's your work. Like, mm-hmm. Wee. A, a set against blue and gold. Interesting. It's very strange. Is it blue and gold <laughs> because of like a Davis yes. color thing? Oh. Just and it's not like... Going s- all in. Going right. all That's in at the Chancellor's yeah. Residence. It's more... It's like this. Okay. Right. Like, okay. Okay. But like the colors are like this i'm pointing to a pillow that has like a weird yellow color and I mean, that's I the wall like mustard and like like a navy yeah Blue it's the most ca- californian color palette right. imaginable um, did you guys know that all of the ucs are variations of blue and yep. yellow whoa yeah and so are the whoa. dubs Mm-hmm. So we're the Mount Shasta Bears. <laughs> but yeah, it is super California. We're just like, we have sun and ocean, blue and yellow. <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> the East Coast true. is not because it's gray and bismal there. Just kidding. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's not at all. It's but so that was, sad and you know, <laughs> sometimes we just act like, you know, we're the only coast <laughs> right in the country. True. And it's it's <gasps> not it's not accurate. But, you know, we're called the Golden Coast. So. That's you get the, the get the yellow I mean, and the mm-hmm. gold. It is mm-hmm. a distinctly different coast from the East Coast. Certainly, I I definitely wouldn't say better. Like they're very no. different. Yeah, like, they're just different. They're just very different coasts. The light is so interesting on each coast. Yeah. I remember going to the East Coast for the first time, and it was so silver. Mm. Like here, yeah. it's so so gold, and yeah. you're so used to it. But yeah. it's so like silver. You don't get that like really beautiful gold. Yeah, I don't know. So interesting how the light is different in different parts know, of the world. Right? Definitely, yeah. definitely. Um. So today, Faith is here because she is our resident expert <laughs> on this really fun topic that we're all into and excited to discuss. The art of tarot. Oh, yes. As you know, we all like weird witchy shit. And tarot cards are beautiful and fun. Yeah. And there's just a lot of interesting history and a lot of visual material to talk about when it comes to tarot cards. So we're here to lay it all out for you. 
Oh, oh, I did want to talk about something that's totally unrelated, but it's just exciting because we're a bunch of feminists here and I want to talk about it. You can talk about Oprah. Of Hell course yeah. I'm Hell yeah. Oprah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Oprah? <laughs> Oprah. Oh my you God. You are Oprah. our only hope. <laughs> I didn't even want to watch the Golden Globes because I generally just oh. don't care. I and don't Matthew talked me yeah. into it and we turned it on as Reese Witherspoon. You into that? Yeah. As <laughs> Reese Wi- <laughs> Side note. I'm surprised. As Reese Witherspoon was introducing Oprah. That's when we turned the TV on. Perfect. So I was just like, oh. Yeah. I so normally I- don't watch reward uh, reward shows, award shows, <laughs> um, but I saw the clip of that and like I was just sitting by the fire on my couch at night in the darkness and I watched that and I cried. Dude, me too. Yeah. I I watched it. Um, so I'd like seen people posting all over social media and all this and like going nuts and I like made a mental note. I was like, gotta check that out. Gotta check that out, you know, but I, I wasn't like, I'm gonna go right away and I was falling asleep probably around like midnight and I like I was like oh yeah I need to watch this and I got on Facebook it was like the first thing on there and I was literally laying down like trying to fall asleep tears like streaming down my face it just got better and better yeah and it was just so moving I think it's easy when you see the social media frenzy to just be like oh everyone's just excited about something but like it was worth being excited about. It was oh, yeah. beautiful. And just seeing like all the women in the audience like lose their shit and like people were like hugging each other. And it was just like a really beautiful moment. It was. And yeah. I was like, damn, Oprah. Like, <laughs> how did you do that? Like, oh, it's just so beautiful. In a way that only Oprah could do. Right. Oh, yeah. Sometimes I forget about Oprah, but she's always there and right. she's always amazing. She's, exactly. always, she's always watching. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> she's like, I know. And like, even if you don't like. I know what's I going mean, on in the world. It, she, does. she does. She does. And like, yeah. I don't watch like her show. I've seen some movies she's been in, but like, I've always had a lot of respect for Oprah because yeah. she is like really a very smart, very powerful woman that I feel like uses that platform for good. Definitely. Yes. I kind of grew up on Oprah because my grandma was really into Oprah. Mm. So like Oprah was on all the time and it wasn't something I would choose to watch often, but I'd just be around like, oh, hey, yeah. Oprah's got Will Smith on. Gonna check this out. See, <laughs> and I- like, and yeah, it's it's one of those things that I think because we grew up with Oprah, you know, yeah. she's always a big deal since we were young. Like, I didn't really think twice about it, but now that I'm older and I'm able to reflect, like, she is so important and so valuable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just, d- exactly, like, used her platform for good from the very mm-hmm. beginning, you know? She wants... And, like, really the- struggled for that platform. Exactly. Yeah. She Did not come so easy. Hard. Yeah. Yeah, and... Like, yeah, she's just a, a really amazing woman. And I totally agree. I kind of forget about her because she's also, as for as famous as she is, she's really good about just taking a step back. Yeah. You know I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm just going to live my life for a she, minute. She has a beautiful estate that yeah. she lives on. Like, yeah, go hang out there. And yeah. and that's what I would do. Live your best but, life, Oprah. Yeah. Yeah. Christina's gonna cook some eggs right now, so if you hear it in the background, but I don't think you will. We like, won't. It's literally fine, two rooms away. Yeah, Christina, <laughs> we're solid. You're the most considerate person. <laughs> Thank you for your consideration in the world, Christina. I don't think you guys Crack know how much Christina loves eggs. We wouldn't let Christina in the house until she said the secret password. Eggs? N- n- no, oh. it was cheesy Pete. And yeah. uh, <laughs> we're like Christina. The first word is your favorite food. And she's like, eggs. (laughs) 
like your other favorite food. <laughs> Did she get it on the second try? Yeah. Add a girl. I mean, eggs are great. They're cheap. They're mm-hmm. versatile. Protein. Yeah. They're great. All yeah. of the above. Great, you can protein. cook them so many different ways. They're mm-hmm. number one hangover food when you can't keep anything else down. True. And you need the protein. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I could do it as a hangover food. It's I like have the trouble only with eggs when I'm nauseous. It's like nauseous. the only thing I can keep down. That and really? nuts, like almonds. Hmm. Yeah. Really? Wow, that's so nutritious of you. Because when I'm I'll hungover, just eat like a yeah, box toast. of mac and cheese. Yeah, or toast. I, I want yeah. noodles. No I want burritos. Down for me. Like, really? Just having like an egg or like a handful of almonds. Like I feel like you're so in touch with the nutrition of your right. body. Like you <laughs> actually crave the things that your body needs. Whereas <laughs> I'm like, I know my body's like, opposite. no, fuck you, no, burritos. Like, like if I'm I, like, I get that if I'm just like lightly hungover if i'm just like waking up like oh i'm kind of gross then yeah i'm gonna be like i'm gonna get some thai food but if i'm right. like, actually hungover the only thing that's gonna work is something like yeah something that has protein wow. something simple like a plain egg or, oh. like, or some nuts <laughs> eggs no. are just like too wiggly for yeah. nausea <laughs> yeah like, right they're moving around they're white viscous i don't know different no, textures <laughs> every second they right. popped out of a of a chicken. Yeah. <laughs> they popped of a chicken. You just pop right Yeah, out. I don't know. Maybe it, it, it could also just be because I have, for my entire life, been plagued with really bad hangovers. So I've, like, yeah. had to learn how to handle them. Right. You know? In a way so that's like survival technique. It is. It's kind yeah. of survival because like sometimes I have hangovers where I can't even keep water down. Yeah. So like I have to be very. Whoa. The, the great yeah. Perry hangover of 2017. Yes, exactly. In our bathroom, heard about that. the yeah. size of that table. The great Perry. <laughs> and when I say bathroom, I mean shower, toilet, and sink. Just All in that one. in the shower that, yeah. for like an hour. Oh. And but yeah. you guys still did stuff that day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks, to, thanks to Natalie and Jen. Because they, they ventured out and got me amazing magic nausea pills mm-hmm. that... Mm-hmm. Saved. I still have one mm-hmm. for the next time I have a terrible hangover. I still have that one. Yeah, I saving you. I have the name of one that you can get over the counter. Perfect. That's not as strong as the one I had originally, but I use it pretty often and it works really well. Mm. And I think I'm getting very dependent on it, and it's not good. But I'm just rolling with it because I don't <laughs> know what else to do. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah. Whatever works right? works. Like right? I just hate being nauseous. It's How did we get here? I don't know. Oprah. 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 <laughs> Anyways, thank you, Oprah. <laughs> Oprah, you're amazing. Oprah, eggs, hangover. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to trace my steps. It's good for your brain. Yeah. When you go on tangents, be like, okay, where was the starting point? Where is the point of you origin? You taught me that. And you taught me where to take you? different routes when you're Boom. walking and driving places yep, yep, because yep. it's good for it's good combating for Alzheimer's. Yep. yep, exactly. Um, You just, you just got to challenge your brain. Mm-hmm. You do. You got to challenge mm-hmm. it. Little tasks. Little puzzles. Mm-hmm. Everyone's I love puzzles. Like learning how to give tarot readings, which I've tried doing lately. And I think I'm getting better. You probably are. But better. You probably are. Well, the thing about tarot readings, at least from my experience and what I have researched, is it is just like anything. You can get better at anything. Mm-hmm. But there is a certain, you know, there's a, it's, there's a lot of interpretation. So I think it's a lot like being an astrologer. You have to, mm. yeah. mm-hmm. you have to believe in your own insights and you have to trust them and you have to like mm-hmm. be open to those kind of things. Yeah, and totally. You have to be able to pick up on things about people. So For like sure. that's a skill in itself that you also have to teach. Yeah. Not just how to read the card, but like right. the whole environment. So... <laughs> 
20 minutes in. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a good time it's already. It's been a right. good time. Let's talk about tarot. I think, Nat, are you going to start us off with some history? That I am. Uh, so the origin of the tarot cards goes back to Islamic slash Arabic society. Um, and they were using these, I'm going to call them tarot cards, I think, tarot professionals would be offended by that because they're not technically tarot cards yeah, they they, like they go through it, it's it's the origin so it obviously goes through a whole evolution but for hundreds of years they were using these cards that Europe didn't have yet and they were hand painted they were definitely for the elite and they would often have um, calligraphy be very intricate so they were almost like little paintings like little individual artworks and they would have identifiable you know, architecture, people, things that people would just see in Islamic culture. And some of them had little aphorisms or like little mini fortunes, which are really cute. I like that. I know, right? I think we should bring that back because that's precious. I guess I, that's actually what tarot does, right? Well, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That sounds cuter, though. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's just easier, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And what's really important to recognize is just that they were used for games. It was very playful and didn't really have any connection to divinity in Islamic culture. So then it moves over into Europe and it began in Italy. And then, and Ginny's going to go over that in more in detail because that has a whole separate background. But then it goes on into France and Germany before it ever hits the English-speaking world. And again, in France and Germany, it's much more playful. And mm -hmm. this kind of idea of divinity starts playing into it, but still in a very playful way. It's not being used as a purely... Divinatory? Divinatory. Ooh, I like that. Yes. Purely <laughs> divinatory. Ooh. I said it remained playful through France and Germany, but then we get to England. And it gets brought to England by the occult... And it takes on a whole different meaning. So they interpreted the symbolism as a lot more meaningful than it ever had previously been interpreted. So they use it as a true divination tool. In line with what you think, like the Masonic uh, cults yeah. and such, they wanted to create this myth, I'm going to call it a myth, of legitimacy. So they started linking it back to Egypt, and there's a lot of historians will say that there is zero evidence that right. it had anything to do with Egypt <laughs> until it gets to England, and the occult was like, we got to make it legit, and how do you do that? Egypt is so much magic! There are right. so <laughs> many examples of Europeans mm -hmm. being like, we need this to be more mystical. Yep. Let's say that it has ties to ancient Egypt. Right. That's It's just... Exactly. Tale as old as time. Dude, I am do. so fucking guilty of that. Like, because oh. <laughs> like, yeah. like that time, like that time we did the, we had our like witchy moon ritual. Oh, night. and I had my pyramid dust. Yes, and you had your pyramid dust. And I swear that to shit God, is magical. Wasn't was there some mummy dust too? No, no, it was just. I was wish pyramid. that I did. It was just dust from oh, okay. a pyramid in Egypt. Wait, but yeah. how does this make you guilty? So far, you seem purely innocent in this. No, just because. So we did this moon ritual, and we had like we needed something. It was it, you needed like something that was old, or you needed like dirt, or I don't know. And I was like, well, uh, I have some dust from one of the great pyramids that I keep in a vial. antique perfume vial. <laughs> it looked cool. A friend cool. of mine thought it was a little bong, actually. <laughs> 
Oh. She found that picture and she thought it was a little bong. The oh, tiniest bong. bong. This just makes me want to look up the world's tiniest bong. Yeah. I know, right? On um, a side note. No, but the reason it makes me guilty of this is because I have never had a more magical night in my life. Like, I felt so powerful just because of this dust from mm. an Egyptian pyramid, which I think does hold a certain something, but like... It partially comes from the fact but that it's just like Egypt is so magical. Right. 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 But that's so different than like making up a historical oh, yeah. connection from something. Right. Yeah, definitely. You know, like exactly. Egypt I mean, is like, magical. <laughs> that's just a fact. Yeah. But it had nothing to do with tarot cards. Right. right. For sure. But I guess I'm just guilty of like playing that up as well. You sure. Know? And I think. Yeah, there's just I think there's something too inherently magical about any civilization that is so old Mm -hmm. and especially one like Egypt that went on for such a long time Mm -hmm. and has a tremendous history. So I think that part I feel okay with being like it's magical because of that. Yeah. Yeah. Where I think it's different is something like this or like even with me like studying obelisks where you have like German Jesuit priests in the 17th century that make up a whole fake history of (laughs) the ancient Egyptians and what they were talking about. Like, these are what the hieroglyphs say. And it's like, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. No one is going to decipher that until later and many years later with the Rosetta Stone. So that kind of whole like... Or even just Europe in general, like glomming so Mm -hmm. tightly to Egypt and trying to act like we're connected to them more than... And it's like, no. Or was. (laughs) No. And and with the the tarot specifically, I remember when I first started researching it and like reading... I have a few of the books here, but reading like Arthur Waite's books where he's Mm -hmm. like, it might be related to Egypt. Like it might be something, you know from the library of alexandria that you know never survived except in this deck and you're like yeah. you and i was might like, be a fucking moron right yeah. <laughs> well i was like maybe mm, 18 so i was like that's so cool and right. then i started and to of course yeah like, read more and right. like paul foster case is like that's bullshit yes yeah. that's not a thing yeah and, yeah and it's no one's fault for believing like, something right told like that like there are Lots of people that wrote on the tarot as though this was true. Totally. You know? yes. So right. not believing that there's nothing wrong with it because there are sources that say it's true. It just right. isn't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, in Precursor, we're going to be doing a conspiracy theory episode. And I feel like that ties very closely right. to that is like people say things with enough confidence or write it in an academic way. And you're like, it makes you second guess everything right. for like a brief moment. It's the skill of debate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that you can just say something with enough passion. I honestly, I feel like this is also something I'm guilty of. I think people <laughs> buy a lot of the shit I say just because like I say you things do got a lot of passion. I do. I say passion. things with confidence yeah. and I'm very passionate and I try to be as accurate as possible. And usually when I say something, I believe in it. Like I, I, don't try to like send false narratives but still like i don't know everything but yeah. sometimes people i think just believe the things i have to say because i'm a very passionate person and it's interesting how far that'll go you know people are just like oh that person yeah. seems to know what they're talking about mm-hmm. you know right anyways back to <laughs> oh no on to jenny oh, that was Ginny. yeah Ginny. all right so talking about tarot involves some discussion of Italy and specifically so there's a card game that originated in Turkey called Mamluk and this was just a game there was not an aspect of kind of mysticism to it and it came over to Western Europe 
and became pretty popular, particularly in Italy. And so that by the 14th century, um, the aristocracy began playing a game called tarocchi appropriati. And so tarocchi is just plural form of tarot. And I do not know the etymology of the word tarot. Like, I don't know what it is supposed to mean. I think I heard... So I know, Nat, you've listened to this. There's an episode of Stuff Mom Never Told You, which is a favorite podcast of mine um, on tarot. And they handle a lot of the things we're talking about here. And they Mm -hmm. do a really nice job. So you should definitely check that out. I'm pretty sure I remember them saying that it really just means like cards or like card game or something. Right, because like something along those lines. Yeah. Um, But I, you know, I could be wrong. Right. I haven't done like a a deep nebulous yeah exactly into that right right what do you got do you got something for us i knew i read it today the rota mundi is a term frequently occurring in the early manifestos of the fraternity of the rosy cross oh fuck yeah Uh, the word rota by a rearrangement of its letters becomes tarot (gasps) t-a-r-o the ancient name of these mysterious cards oh my god i knew i read it today i'm sure like there are other like ideas about right, it like, but even just yeah, looking that's at the, the one italian that eyes, like, i don't i don't know what taroki i don't know what that translates to and i couldn't figure it out of course the rosy cross mm-hmm. fools this is an incredible book by the way interesting the secret teachings of all ages mm-hmm. Ooh. So yep good. that that looks amazing right up our alley anyway continue uh <laughs> so this game that the Italian wealthy classes were starting to play in the early Renaissance. They would be these like beautifully illustrated cards, which they took, they were influenced by, by this game Malmuk from Turkey, because looking at like Malmuk cards, they're really richly illustrated. And there's a lot of detail and attention paid to the illustration. And so this translates into these games that Italians were playing, the Taroki games and that they would start paying artists to decorate decks for them. How this game was played in Italy at the time is that players were dealt random cards, and they had to make up a poem relating to the theme illustrated on the card. And so it really wasn't, for them, originally a game of mysticism, but the playing with poetry and like, oh, you don't know what theme you're going to get, and you still have to write a poem, because poems were so much hipper back then and everyone was everyone was writing poems Mm -hmm. i that should come back in fashion i'd like to see more uh poetry centered like party games yeah (laughs) yeah. fun totally so what the italians did is they started like i said commissioning decks illustrated by artists and these were called cards of triumph and they had suits so the original suits were cups swords coins and polo sticks yeah (laughs) and there would be um courts of a king and two subservient male counterparts like knights uh the cards later included queens and trump cards as well as the fool card And it usually totaled to about 78 cards. So these early decks reflected a lot of the culture at the time. So court life and structure of court life reflected in the cards. And that's what we can still see to a certain extent today. But like I said earlier, the illustrations were 
pretty paramount from the start. You know, those were really important to the game itself, to the kind of beauty of the cards and the decks as a whole. And there's a lot of, of course, at this time, you know, 14th, 15th century Italy, very religious. There's a lot of religious imagery imbued in there. And that's kind of the, the most sort of connection that you have to anything sort of magical that transforms later on as history progresses and tarot becomes more and more esoteric and mystical. But that is the Italian branch off point that then disseminates into other parts of Europe and France like Nat was talking about and that's when you have French guys being like ancient Egypt the book of (laughs) Thoth all that all right uh we'll take a quick break and then we're going to get into some of the forgotten women of tarot illustrations yeah forgotten no more uh yeah we'll be right back So, Nat, have you heard about the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum heist? No, I have not. I hadn't either. It turns out it went down in Boston in 1990. And in 81 minutes, two scoundrels dressed as Boston policemen stole 13 pieces of artwork valued at half a billion dollars. That is insane. Right? Works by Vermeer, Degas, and Rembrandt. Uh, None of them were ever to be seen again. I wonder where they are. A lot of people are wondering where they are, as this case was never solved. But there are theories abound. I bet. About what actually happened. It's a very intriguing tale. And if you want to know more about this tale of true crime meets art history, then you'll want to check out Empty Frames, a new podcast exploring the infamous art heist from all angles. With the help of investigators, reporters, and art theft experts, the show's hosts, Tim and Lance, will attempt to piece together this unsolved case. Empty Frames is available wherever you get your podcasts February 6th. Check it out, you guys. And we are back. We're back. We're going to talk about some French guys. Ah, uh, Frenchmen. Some 18th century French guys that um, really had quite the impact on tarot cards. You might so, not expect that, but that's basically you, how it works. <laughs> that's how it happened. <laughs> French author Antoine Corte de Jebelin. How was that for French, Corey? Oh Let me see it. Antoine Court de Jebelin. Je- Gibbelin? 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 Yeah, probably. Yeah. I like Gibbelin. Gibraltar. Gibroni. Um, <laughs> 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 oh, forever. Um, so Antoine claimed that the tarot was based on an ancient Egyptian holy book. To take that even further, Jean-Baptiste Alliette, who was a publisher and teacher, said that the hieroglyph could actually be seen in the design of the tarot and that Thoth's priests engraved gold plates from this original holy text and that this imagery provided the first tarot deck. So it's kind of linking ancient Egypt with the tarot. Very specifically. Very. With zero evidence. Consciously. <laughs> Without a lot of empirical fact or <laughs> primary evidence. The gall. But that's what they did. <laughs> the nerve. Okay. 
Being like, I want to do this thing. And yeah. Doing it. I wonder what it feels I mean, like to have that kind of confidence. But it's interesting, especially because they were saying all of this before anyone was able to actually decipher hieroglyphs. So the French were able to do that. Champollion, credit, credit. But it wasn't done yet. So these guys were like, yeah, the hieroglyphs, they're in the tarot. And can't you see this? And can't you see that? And so that is a lot of how this kind of esoteric mysticism was further imbued into the tarot. And then they started making tarot decks with Egyptian symbolism to reinforce the idea even further. Yep, exactly. Yes. Um, The idea behind this, and obviously this is somewhat like speculative, this intention of, of trying to make it really magical and really spiritual and at this time you know from like the 1850s to like 1920 spiritualism is a huge thing yes so spiritualism we've talked about on other episodes we talked about it on hillmuff clint yes that yeah. was god a, what a babe oh she's such a babe so that cool so cool banger episode if you haven't listened to the Hil- hillmuff clint episode you need to go listen to it because a lot of people don't know about her and man, she's amazing. Mm-hmm. She is. Um, I actually just told this like middle-aged artist dude I know. He's a really great guy. He had never heard of her. And I had him yeah. like, look up her work. And he was like, wait, she was doing this at mm-hmm. in, in like the 1800s? Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, that's like before abstraction. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> like she was doing some really important shit before it was a big thing. So yeah, Hilma Clint was really into spiritualism. It was just very hot at this point especially among like artists and more artistic types i mean i think you could even say we see in some ways a revival of that happening now you Mm -hmm. know interest in tarot interest in witchy shit totally um so like it was very big when the most well-known tarot deck hit the scene the rider weight tarot deck is was the first commercial tarot deck the first mass marketed tarot deck and it is probably if you know nothing about tarot if you have seen just any tarot card it's fairly likely that it was from this deck Mm -hmm. like these images throughout the past century have come to be very heavily associated with tarot as a whole jenny's got one on her shirt I sure do. Oh, shit, you're wearing your tarot shirt. The Empress. Empress. That is, oh, look at you. Yeah. Just getting in theme. I love it. Um, So the Rider Waite tarot deck is the most well-known deck. And what is unfortunately not most well-known about it is that the illustrator of this deck was a lady person. And her name was Pamela Coleman Smith. And she was a total badass. And she did all of these illustrations. So we're going to talk about her for a little while and her life and and these images that she created. She was born February 16th, 1878 in London to American parents. Her nickname was Pixie. How cute That's is that? That's so cute. Her parents were theatrical artsy folk. And as a result, Coleman Smith became interested in theater she was a part of a traveling theater group and worked as a set designer. And this influence is really apparent in the images from the 
Rider Waite tarot deck. If you really look through them, they have a very theatrical setup about them. You feel like you're looking at scenes from a play. Um, Mm -hmm. So you can kind of see the crossover of her theater background. She studied art at the Pratt Institute in Brooklyn, but she did not graduate. Uh, She also created illustrations for Bram Stoker, W.B. Yeats. And she illustrated a collection of Jamaican folk tales called Anansi. Um, And she also created her own magazine. So she was a very creative person, Mm -hmm. just doing cool shit all around. I was really excited to learn about this. She was part of the Suffrage Atelier group, which were artists in support of women's suffrage. I actually researched them quite a bit for my thesis. And Mm. so like there's a lot of crossover with, you know, 19th century early 19th century essentially like yeah craftivists right right in suffrage atelier and so i was really excited that pamela coleman smith was a part of this like, that's so cool i didn't know that yeah so she was um she was making making art for for the vote uh she also has been said to have had synesthesia which is something we really need to do a whole that lot. makes so much yeah. sense yeah we really need to do an episode we do yeah Yeah, she was apparently able to see music. There's a quote from her. What I see when I hear music, thoughts loosened and set free from the spell of sound. Wow. Uh, really beautiful stuff that is beautiful so in the early 1900s spiritualism is really hot like i said it's really a big thing and in 1901 coleman smith joined the hermetic order of the golden dawn which was a british yes. occult yeah sounds like it <laughs> no better name for a british occult mm-hmm. yep yep um there she met a.e Waite and alistair crowley which do you know more about A.E. Waite, Faith? Uh, I don't really know too much about him. But Alistair I know Crowley a was a kind of a weirdo, was a very interesting dude. Oh, yeah. Um, um, Waite was also, I believe he was an occultist, like um, Paul Foster case. He just worked with Smith to make these, you know, symbols in the Arthur Waite Smith deck that, like, really weren't illustrated in such a way before. Yeah. There are a lot of things that um, they added as a collaboration that had never existed in any deck beforehand. Definitely. Um, for example, Coleman Smith illustrated the cups, pentacles, wands, and swords mm-hmm. with scenes of their own. So kind of once again, going back to the scenic design background, she created a scene for these images, which up until this time, Tarot just had a literal image of, right. of these things. So it was actually kind of groundbreaking in the history of Tarot to create a scene that represents uh, these cards. And yeah, as Faith was saying, A.E. Waite collaborated with Coleman Smith to make this tarot deck. It, for years and years, was known as the Rider Waite Tarot Deck. It has very, very recently been revised to include Coleman Smith's name. So it is now the Rider Waite Smith Tarot Deck. Mm-hmm. There you go. Right? Yes. We're getting there. We're getting there. Decades <laughs> later. <laughs> there yeah. were like written reports that he said that he commissioned a female artist to do the illustrations, but that he gave her specific instructions on how to do it. And it's just, just bullshit. Just pure lies. Yeah. 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 
she was out of the picture really when these cards hit the scene. She did not see, you know, royalties off of these at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I read something. If she was alive today, she would be a millionaire because of the tarot deck. But she didn't see any money from this. But it, I mean, it's pretty clear that she had a lot of creative influence in these images. You know, maybe Wait and Ryder did have some say in it. But Coleman Smith, she used she used her cat as a model for <laughs> um, some of the cards and also her friend Edie Craig was used as a model in the cards um, maybe th- girlfriend yes yeah there is yeah. speculation about Pamela Coleman Smith's sexual orientation mm-hmm. you know these kind of things are kind of like vague at the time right um, but she never married and she lived with women throughout her life and she was also just like a really cool badass like I'm kind of outside the norm type of lady so there's just like a lot of speculation that she you know was possibly queer and that yeah maybe she was in a relationship with Edie Craig at one point who was also bisexual I believe um so the Rider Waite tarot deck was first published in 1909 and it cost six shillings I have no idea how much money that is so <laughs> I don't know no what idea six shillings anyone like. Anyone shillings? <laughs> shillings conversion? Oh, well, let's also see. at that time, uh, who knows? Right, yeah. We need the time conversion and right. the currency conversion. Yeah, yeah. No. We need uh, to adjust for inflation. Right. <laughs> but I'll pass. Weight made all the money, and Coleman Smith didn't get shit. Uh, later in her life, she converted to Catholicism, which I think is really interesting because I think like mysticism and spiritualism, it just flows over to Catholicism very easily. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's so much like oscillation back and forth. Like I know so yeah. many like Catholics turned like I'm spiritual and yeah. spiritualist like I'm Catholic. Like right. mm-hmm. I feel like there's a really interesting like spectrum that goes on there. So she converted to Catholicism and... So I saw this in a few different sources. Died, quote unquote, penniless in 1951. And I always question that phrase. Like, was she truly penniless or did was she just like did not, she not have a fortune? To yeah. Lose? Right. yeah. Right. Like, was she living a comfortable life? Yeah. Did she have a home or was she actually like penniless? I don't know because I saw two different sources that use the word penniless, Hmm. but that doesn't feel totally right. Right. Not necessarily in an objective term. (laughs) Right. Um, But you literally not have a penny. What if she had a lot of nickels, just no pennies? What if she was so rich that she She, had no pennies? She had had no shillings is what she had. (laughs) Was she shillingless? (laughs) See? But we do know she didn't make any money off of this wildly popular tarot deck, which is bullshit, you know? So, So Pamela Coleman Smith badass lady definitely check her out we'll have some sources for you she was also like what a cutie like she was just like mm-hmm. very, oh yeah that photo i know we'll have this photo of her we'll put it up she was just you could tell she was very like had her spirited own, yeah she had her own thing going on and yeah. i can imagine that was fairly hard to do in like 1900 you know yeah um so also if you have a rider weight smith deck there's like a little photo on a separate card of her Really? It's, like, it's that photo. It's such it's a good photo. Yeah. Really cool lady. Definitely check her out. Um, and then I'll briefly, I don't know too much about this one, but the other probably second most popular deck is the, did we decide Toth is really to or it? Thoth is what Thoth. I yeah. said, but I, I, I heard Christopher Lee say Toth, but I don't, I trust you, Jenny. Oh God. <laughs> 
Saruman, I don't know. <laughs> you, I trust. <laughs> um, so we'll go with Toth. It's T-H-O-T-H, tarot deck. And this was a tarot deck that was commissioned by Alistair Crowley, who is a trip. You should look into him if you're not <laughs> familiar with him. Yeah. Um, and he, so he wanted to make a tarot deck and he is a very, so he has a lot of very fascinating and specific ideas about some dark shit and mm. spirituality, mm-hmm. but like in a dark way and like uh, the devil and stuff. Right. Uh-huh. The devil. He is quoted to be the wickedest man in the world, right? Yes. 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 He has How been cool. quoted. So <laughs> wicked. <laughs> How metal. That's really metal. <laughs> it's true. So the Toth deck was commissioned by Aleister Crowley and also the illustrations, the paintings were done by another lady person. Hell yeah. And lady is actually in her name. Lady Frida Harris mm. did the illustrations. I don't know too much about her life, but they were watercolors. And they're really nice. beautiful. They are beautiful. Um, we'll go through them here in a minute. We're going to look at both decks. But she did watercolors and um, she was, what I do know about her, she was heavily involved in the... <laughs> The ladies' branch of Freemasonry, <laughs> which was a thing. That must have been a wild time. <laughs> right. And also, that wasn't like ladies weren't allowed for a long yeah. time. Yeah. So that's badass. Oh. And I want to know what it was like. I, dude, yeah. I just learned this today. And so, yeah, my instinct is I definitely want to do a deep dive into like the ladies of Freemasonry. Right. <laughs> like, totally. I'm, I really want to know what that was all about. But she was involved. So she worked with Aleister Crowley on this deck. And what has been said about this deck visually is it's pretty weird and dark compared to Mm -hmm. other decks. Um, The thing about tarot is I think a lot of people approach it with more of a, I don't know if positive is the right word, but, but it's more about like even the dark cards are meant to express something about the process of life. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and like a search for balance exactly. in your life. Exactly. It's all about balance. And that's what mm-hmm. I love about tarot and just like this kind of esotericism is it's balance and like the common view of say like the death card is that it just means like new beginnings it right means, like a shift mm-hmm. it means new things are gonna happen rebirth right? yeah rebirth death equals rebirth but alistair crowley had a darker take on things yeah and so his deck is pretty dark at times and interesting and weird mm-hmm. I'm going to hand it off to Faith <laughs> and she is going to talk about more of the symbolism and the ideas. Mm-hmm. And we'll also look at these decks and do a little visual analysis. I was sort of going to just talk about concepts a little bit and go through specifically the Rider Waite Smith deck, go through like the major arcana because, and, and the uh, minor arcana, but I feel like tarot is something that is very intimidating to Mm -hmm. people that like aren't familiar with it like I was very intimidated but like have always had a fascination because why wouldn't you it's like I still am very intimidated no same like I have I own two decks and I've barely played with them because like every time I yeah I'm just like I what I can't do this so maybe (laughs) maybe after like this little lesson you will feel less intimidated because I feel like if you go through it and 
try to go about it just like card by card it's super intimidating like you're not gonna memorize them all and there's like a system of like numerology meets elements and also archetypes and like when you sort of like are more familiar with those it's a lot easier and you can it you know instead of like relying on the cards you can use like a bit of intuition which is like even more intimidating (laughs) but an important part of it I want to start out by saying that even though like divination is a historical part of the tarot, as we've learned from you guys in the past hour or whatever, it, it really doesn't have to be. Sometimes I like to set aside the idea of divination. Like, yeah, if that's not something you jive right. with, yeah. with, that doesn't mean that you can't use the tarot cards or like find them super interesting i thought there was a really cute comparison in a podcast i was listening to earlier where they compared it to mash you guys remember playing yes oh yeah yes totally yeah well they they even talked about it historically because yeah that was the stuff mom never told you podcast i think they got it from an article too but the article i read because they compared the italian early yes, version exactly of that was the one to, to mash. mash yeah and they, that's a that's a good comparison yeah right because they talked about even just historically how in centuries past that's kind of what these cards were used for people would come and they just want to know if their crush liked them or right like they just wanted to know about people are simple yeah do they like me yeah. <laughs> right and like just using it by yourself because i'm like yeah. i will do readings for you guys because you're my friends and I'm comfortable around you. Yeah. But I really just like to do them for myself because they're Same. they're like a mirror. You yeah. know, it's, yeah. it's reflections on, you know, maybe what's out of balance and like warnings, but not necessarily divinatory warnings. You can look at it that way, but it's really just like a bunch of pictures and you're yeah. looking in a mirror of your like you see what you want to see. But that being said, that's like exact like those exact words are exactly how I feel about astrology, which oh, is yeah. something just I, thinking I am a million times astrology is a little more my purview than right. like tarot is. Sure. I just know a lot more about it. I spend more time with it. I'm more comfortable giving people like astrological advice. And it's very much the exact same thing. Yeah. It's like you look at the different things and it really is just it's introspective. And mm-hmm. it's yeah. A reflection. And you're going to get out of it like kind of what you bring to it you know absolutely yeah and I mean it's a it is a very old set of symbols and archetypes um and I'm like I said I'm gonna go through the Rider weight deck specifically and I know you can't see these but um (laughs) I actually I found like a really large image of like all of the major arcana at once oh nice so I can give that to you perfect yeah we'll put that up on our website for y'all I sort of I want to talk about numerology and how that sort of goes through all of the tarot. <laughs> yes, please. Um, numerology yes. <laughs> is something that I know nothing about, but I'm like, that's interesting. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it gets like much more in depth than how I'm going to approach it. Like, I have this really old book in front of me uh, by Paul Foster Case. It is old. It looks very old. It smells <laughs> so <laughs> good. You should give it a whiff. It smells really good. Looks like it has been passed down through many hands. (laughs) I like it. But it talks about, um, like, it goes through the numerology and how it's, like, related to the Kabbalah. And, like, he's Mm. very esoteric. And it's really interesting. But for the sake of learning the cards and, like, 
reading the cards, I think that's like a little too much to start with. And so I, I sort of simplified the numerology, at least how it relates to the tarot cards. So zero, which is the fool. The yeah, fool. The fool. I love that card. He's a zero. Yeah. <laughs> and like every, it's so crazy to me because every single part of these cards is related to, you know, what the card is supposed to mean. So mm-hmm. zero is supposed to be like nothing and everything. It could be the universe. It could be God. And so I should have said this earlier, but the major arcana is it takes you through what is called the fool's journey which is sort of an allegory about the journey of this person, but it, it's not any specific person. It's just, it's used to relate to all of these ideas, um, but it goes through, you know, a life. So yeah. it can relate mm-hmm. to your own life. Um, and so we're all fools. We're all fools <laughs> in the beginning <laughs> or, or always. <laughs> but like in the, in that, old book the Paul Foster case book he really goes into like how you know zero is like the cosmic egg and like he really just gets into it but in the fool's journey zero and this man is really like a being before conception gotcha like does not exist but is everything gotcha like doesn't have to be god it could be the universe it could Mm -hmm. be and just looking so kind of jumping into the visual analysis really quick just like looking at this image i mean first off it's just beautiful Mm -hmm. but once again you can see like the theatrical influence because like look at that like (laughs) outfit he's wearing right that is so detailed and yeah in his little boots and he like he knows nothing he is like carefree and there's a cliff before him and he's like ready to go yeah (laughs) he's like i don't care for real and it's like bright and sunny and like a lot of potential in this card yeah totally yeah definitely i think it kind of embodies the idea of like innocence is bliss Mm -hmm. is in this card is that his little doggy friend ready to jump over the cliff with him he's ready to go and they're both happy to do it Mm -hmm. (laughs) so that is the fool the number one card because the fool was zero is the magician Mm -hmm. and number one is conception so the fool was before anything Mm -hmm. and this is the idea of conception this is like a very fiery card so this is like the first fire card like all of the wands of course are fire but the magician is echoed in so many other cards that have like a fiery energy but he is like the epitome of that Mm -hmm. all of the elements on the card are represented and he's very much like a conduit of en- energy he's mm-hmm. like the moment of conception i should talk about gender roles in the in the deck too Ooh, like yeah i don't know anything about this but yes that well, sounds so really <laughs> interesting <laughs> of course at this time like gender roles were very different but how how they're presented in the cards are like very archetypal like yes if this is a man and he's like representing like very masculine energies that does not necessarily mean it's referring to a man because not everyone has 
you know, feminine energies that are male. Not yeah, uh, yeah it's an yeah. entire because spectrum. Because all humans are made up of both feminine right. and masculine <laughs> energies. <laughs> exactly. It's a spectrum. Exactly. <laughs> it's all a spectrum. So whenever it refers to genders, it's very much archetypal and stereotypical rather than literal. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. also with age, you know, when whenever there are children, it represents innocence, not necessarily like a child yeah yeah um, that may seem like very basic but needs to be said but but kind of not like sometimes yeah. you know you just don't think about things that yeah. way like, right you know, it's easy to think about things more literally especially when you're learning something like the tarot I think. right right absolutely and he is like the magician is very much like fiery male stereotype like right i've heard him described as like really erect and sort of phallic yeah he yeah. has a wand in his hand and it's like <laughs> right up there yep thrusting it out <laughs> thrusting it thrusting it i am here <laughs> <laughs> and then let's go to the high priestess card which is yes. uh one of my favorites this was you gave me that reading and i remember this was my yeah. card and i was so fucking stoked on it it's like, such it's such it's a good such card a good card and I, sh- I should mention, you know, the four elements are represented through the entire tarot. Mm-hmm. Um, right. You know, the wands in the minor arcana are fire. The pentacles are earth. The swords are air and the cups are water. And fire, uh, which was our magician, is very like passionate and creative and represents things like sexuality Mm -hmm. and like creativity Mm -hmm. and um just like fiery things it's very similar to like the zodiac elements right and so our high priestess here which is number two which two represents gestation so where Mm -hmm. the the magician was very like energized and all about the action. Yeah. The high priestess is very much about meditation. Sure. Um, and that will be echoed in the entire tarot as well. Yeah. Um, very feminine, watery. There's like moon and pomegranate imagery, which is like very oh, like stereotypically the, palm. the pomegranate. Yeah. Totally. Bam. Pomegranate. I'm having like so a lot fertile. of personal revelations right now. <laughs> <laughs> <That's great. laughs> I've told you though, like my name is related yeah. to like the myth of Persephone. Yeah, yeah. So like, there's connections with yeah. pomegranate. Yep. I'm 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 being introspective and trying to make yeah. connections. I mean, that's the point of the tarot. <laughs> right? mm-hmm. And also with this card, like the imagery that Pamela did specifically, like it looks very vaginal. Like it does. her whole body and like her quite headpiece is like a clitoris. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yep quite oh yeah so it's just like a very cool use of imagery yeah Um, they they talk about this one again on the stuff mom never told you podcast and she was talking about how it's cool because it's almost like she's birthing herself yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. that is like everything right (laughs) and even her her posture is just like very passive and meditative and also in the tarot there's always like a balance like one after the other so mm-hmm. if there's like a fiery like energetic action right card there's going to be something like the high priestess yeah. which is like the opposite yeah right and just kind of jumping around a little bit so we're talking about the images as we said from the rider weight smith deck 
But what is the deck? What's the name of the one that you guys have? Oh, the Wild, Wild Unknown. Unknown. So the Wild Unknown deck, that was the one we did where the High Priestess is like a beautiful tiger. tiger. It's a tiger, I guess, mm-hmm. with like a beautiful like galaxy sphere. Yes, yeah. It's mm-hmm. so good. It's really beautiful. That deck is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. The Wild Unknown is probably my favorite because I <gasps> like that it's animals. I feel like yeah. it really... Yeah. Like it, natural imagery. Exactly. It's natural imagery and it really opens up that whole introspective thing because like you said, this deck is very gendered. Which right. ha- makes it insightful in certain ways, definitely. But like, I think there's something a little more interesting about being connected to an image of a tiger totally that you know totally has a little there's more wiggle room Mm -hmm. and i think it makes it very interesting and it's just an insanely beautiful deck it's really beautiful yeah no i agree and a deck like that really allows more for like intuition to come into play Mm -hmm. whereas like this really illustrates i mean not that i would know any of this without like reading about the the symbols i mean pomegranates yes moon yes but right. like right. i may not recognize her, like her body as being like vaginal or right, like right. the meditative quality but it it does make it easier for someone that really doesn't know anything mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just so cool yeah. <laughs> yeah. the way she made this deck was like revolutionary at the time i'm gonna move on to the empress don't do any shirt where she belongs <laughs> and she is the number three three represents development which makes sense because she's very feminine and she's mm-hmm. earthy and represents the mother archetype on the card she there's like a symbol for female like female symbol yeah and she's surrounded by abundance she also has pomegranates on her dress and she's really just like the mother archetype and yes she's like christina (laughs) (laughs) the empress um and then christina is just she's on her computer watching (laughs) over all of us she's she's like giggling softly And then that, like, mothering development is countered by the emperor, who is, like, the father figure, Mm. and he represents structure. And so bringing in logic to this fool. The fool's journey is, like, three parts. I think we're still in, like, the child phase of his life, Mm -hmm. his, her life. This just represents structure and logic and discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is, I mean, he's an emperor. He's a king. Like, right. he brings logic into yes. this situation. Logic and organization. <laughs> right. He's scary. I don't. <laughs> face. His little metal yeah, boots. Scary. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot. He yeah. looks very pointy. Yeah, domineering. Yeah. And I think... Listen I might be to wrong. Me. I'm going to <laughs> organize the world. <laughs> I think he's the first little peak we get at the air element. He's very oh. like sort of cold and um not that you know air is cold but it's it's a bit aloof. Aloof. Yes. And you know more abstract. Um mm. like air represents at least in the tarot, things like philosophy and wisdom and intellect, things Mm -hmm. that are, like, sort of hard to grasp. Yeah, totally. Um, And we move on to the Hierophant? Hierophant? Yeah. I've heard it 
multiple ways. I don't ways. know. Yeah. I don't know. I've I've always said hero fent, but yeah. I have no idea. I don't know much about that card. It's fine. So tell <laughs> your face. So it could be the Pope. It is seen as the Pope, oh. or or just like a ah, religious leader. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it evolved from a card that was more closely tied with the Pope. Right. Right. That makes sense. And now it's like could be any religious leader. Yeah, so could it also be like a monk or something along those lines? Maybe or? it has to be someone who is like sort of structuring like right. or a part of a structure. There was, um, I think it was called the papist card. Like it did yes. originate from Ooh. being like truly like papal. The and then Pope. I think they had yeah. to push it away because people got upset. I think like the Pope got upset probably. too. He's like, I don't want probably him. this. Oh, I don't know anyone else would get upset for him. I want to be a part right. of this devil business. Right. <laughs> so this card along with like just the number five represents growing pains adaptation um Mm. and it's associated with like institutions like religious institutions or Mm -hmm. school or things in society that dictate our behavior in some Mm -hmm. way Mm -hmm. so could be a pope could not be a pope is it a pope you tell us (laughs) the next card is the lover's um, which is a very nice card to look mm-hmm. at. It's very pretty. colorful. It is pretty. And this is number six, which represents a rebalancing after after like an adaptation phase like we just had mm-hmm. um, in the Hierophant or Hierophant. Uh, the lovers, they don't have to represent like two people in a relationship or in love. Um, they most certainly can. But... Six really represents balance and equilibrium, beauty of any kind, mm-hmm. um, and sort of a in the fool's journey, it's a relief from society by breaking away through maybe sexuality or other ways and represents your own choice um, regarding individuality. So it's like you or the fool breaking away from you know what society sees as the norm on your own maybe right. for the first time mm-hmm. and it's just such a lovely card it is it's got all the colors mm-hmm. just a couple of naked people just with a couple of nakes like an angel yeah, <laughs> they're being like embrace slash mm-hmm. me the naked people <laughs> oh yep that's nice and that mountain top it's very like back. adam and eve oh, imagery esque and even things like, I think the mountains are behind them. Mm-hmm. So that like represents them leaving something behind mm-hmm. in order to like break away from whatever was broken away For from. For sure. Leaving those mountains behind. Mm-hmm. And then we have uh, the chariot card, which is mm-hmm. number seven. Mm-hmm. Which I was like sort of oh. confused by for a long time. That's an interesting um, yeah, it's got some sphinxes on here. We sure do. Sphinxes. But um, the number seven just sphinx eye. Sphinx eye. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think it's pronounced sphinxy. That sounds right. <laughs> Doesn't it? Yeah. But the number seven represents just like raw power. So after you've had like this breaking away, you have this raw power, and you maybe like break away in a way that it society is supportive of mm-hmm. like 
it could be breaking away on your own, but you're like supported by the people around you and society. So it could be something in your life like like a coming of age moment, like getting a license or like mm-hmm. something of the like, I don't know, what are coming Mo- of age? Moving things. to college. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Things Using like your that. your virginity? Sure. That I don't might know that people want to celebrate with that with you. <laughs> <laughs> people would be like, <laughs> <laughs> Wow. I guess it depends on like what your society yeah, is. Yeah, like, exactly. That's sure. I, I do feel like that is that I would I would definitely consider that anyways a coming up. Well, age. technically, yeah. a wedding is like yeah, <laughs> a party for losing your virginity, right? That's true. Exactly. <laughs> that's what a true. joke. <laughs> nailed it. Because yeah, in like you know certain more refined societies <laughs> like they have the whole like the you'll have like the procession of people like into your bedroom yeah yeah after you get oh right married. for the mm-hmm. consummation the consummation mm-hmm. it's part of it's part of the wedding it's mm-hmm. like part of the whole thing oh That's yeah insane to so people sexuality watched. has come a long way yeah. <laughs> man yeah, thank true. goodness true and that brings us to <laughs> casually and um so I think this starts like the second leg of uh, the fool's journey, which is adulthood through death. And it begins with card eight, which is strength, which has a lovely lion on it Aww. and sort of a almost a empress figure. Yeah. Sort of like yeah. taming the lion mm-hmm. in a way. And so eight, the number, is sort of like a, a movement forward with this raw power that mm-hmm. we had in the previous card. Yeah. And it also represents like a rhythm, vibration, or infinity. Actually, the infinity right, sign. Right, I was going to say that's above her head like a little halo yeah. or a crown. Which is like an endless rhythm. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that above someone else's head? Was that... Um, the magician, maybe? Uh, yes. Ah, mm-hmm. yes. Good eye, Nat. Nat, catching the details. <laughs> catching those deets. Nat on the deets. <laughs> I just can't. I just keep staring at him. That's why I knew it was him because he looks like a very intense disco character. Just ah, at, yeah. Yeah. Disco is where all the energy's at. Exactly. So true. I think that's what they're trying to tell us. It's a very intensely energized period yes. of history. One hundred percent. So it is a it's a woman much like the empress, very earthy, and she's taming the lion. So this is where the fool is acknowledging something, a passion that needs to be let out. So it could be like a coming out moment, Mm -hmm. something, you know, like you need to let out, you know, you need to do. And so this is that moment where that Mm -hmm. happens. It's sort of like taking that raw power and like channeling it when you know you have to. That brings us to nine, which is the hermit, which is I it. pull that card a lot. It's a lovely the card. Hermit. It is. And the illustration of that in the wild unknown is the cutest thing. It's a tortoise. With yes. A, like a torch, like a little lamp on its shell. <laughs> I really it's like I want to get that. a tattoo. Of that. It's <laughs> the cutest thing. Oh, That would be a great tattoo. Wouldn't it? Yeah. Because yeah. the tortoise is perfect for the hermit. Like, you right. Literally yeah. Goes in its shell. Yeah. <laughs> It's like either a tortoise or a fucking hermit crab. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For real. Love it. Yeah, I really love this have card. Have you guys, this is off topic kind of, but have you guys heard about ornamental hermits? Oh, no. All right. Tell us. So ornamental <laughs> hermits. I'm pretty sure this was in the 1800s. Yeah, I think it was like mid to late 1800s. Wealthy people 
would pay people to live on their estate in like a little cottage and be a quote unquote ornamental hermit and their job was just to be like a like philosophical hermit type i want that job i I want that job goals and i kind of have it already because i do live on someone else's property right a little cottage yeah i spend most of my time thinking in there but yeah (laughs) but they need to pay but they they weren't paying you instead of me paying them yeah exactly but anyways yeah and they would it was a you know an aesthetic thing they'd have people over and you know they'd show them the estate and And this is my pond and this is my hermit exactly (laughs) this is the hermit's quarters and he would be out like at a little table like perhaps writing or something that is the goofiest (laughs) shit rich people man (laughs) that blows my what country like England, I think. Uh, sure. Mm-hmm. Sounds that English. sounds English. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, fucking British. It certainly <laughs> does. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so so that was a thing. That's and I really. Hilarious. If anyone That's would great. like to hire me as their ornamental hermit, I am if one. If I could go back in time, 100% disguise down. myself as a craggly old British man, <laughs> be hired to live in a cottage <laughs> on a sprawling English country manor. Perfect. Sure. That'd be a good life. It is my lifestyle. So, like, it would be the perfect job. You're like, why aren't people paying me for this? It is legitimately the way I live my life right now. (laughs) Ornamental hermit. So, yeah, I love it so much. And so I think about that with the hermit card, obviously. Yeah, (laughs) that's great. (laughs) I want that. Hermit for life. If Um. any of you out there would like like to hire the art history babes as your ornamental hermit. (laughs) <laughs> we'll just record from your front yard well or if you have a cottage that'd be nice preferably we'll just but live on your property and record our podcast <laughs> like, if you have a tree house that works yeah, that'd be great. pay me to be whimsical and smart on your property please <laughs> pretty please it's the best craigslist posting <laughs> ever oh yeah that's incredible <laughs> so the hermit card <laughs> wow it's just like taking on another level for me now <laughs> Um, I'm glad it will <laughs> never be the same. Nine is just like a cool number because it means like completion or fulfillment, but it's sort of elevating you to the true end. Not true end, but like the true completion. It's like sort of energizing you to like something even better. And I I think I heard on there's this really great podcast called the root lock radio that's really good for just beginners even if you're not a beginner he really breaks things down in a digestible way that's easy to remember Mm -hmm. but he talks about the letter nine as like a complete circle like you've completed something but with a little tail to continue on oh totally i really like nine has been one of my favorite numbers forever and now i'm validated yeah well to further validate you there's a lot of people that have you know just like kind of spiritual thoughts about how like everything kind of connects back to the number nine mm-hmm. oh. uh, number mm-hmm. nine is like at the root of all things so that's like a pretty oh. good number to be yeah well attached to i originally chose it because it was mia ham's jersey number <laughs> soccer team no better reason nailed it <laughs> mia ham you're a badass <laughs> always will be shout out to mia ham <laughs> number nine <laughs> So that, I mean, it's a cool number to begin with. 
it's not an ending it's elevating you to the next stage and um it really so the last card was strength and so nine is taking that energy and really turning it inward and reflecting on yourself Mm -hmm. so it's not like a a sad solitude solitude isn't sad it's not everybody it's not no (laughs) solitude is is great my number one like preach thing like solitude when you when you get to the point that you just embrace it it is the best thing yeah Yeah. (laughs) and sometimes it's hard to embrace it it really can be difficult. I was going to say, I feel like more people are afraid of, like, embracing it than they are of actually, like, being mm-hmm. alone. Exactly. Yeah. It's just so intimidating for some reason. Like, I know so many people who are just can't I mean, be a, alone with themselves. And I get it. Like, there were, in my younger years, there were times where I was intimidated by it. I, I always wanted to be with people and doing things. And once, like, <laughs> once you embrace it, like, the whole world opens up to you. Yeah. <laughs> just embrace your solitude that is like yeah. my number one advice for all humans <laughs> embrace Truly. it i'm an introvert too so i'm like so yeah it's just literally where i get my energy yeah yeah me too i'm an introvert that everyone thinks is an extrovert which is like a really complicated place to be in it is and it was very confusing for me for a long time very complicated and yeah right and yeah once you like understand the value just being with yourself yeah it's a very it's a cool thing everybody try it give it a shot give it a shot well and that brings us to like the imagery of the (coughs) contained fire in most of the hermit cards i've seen like in the in the wild Mm -hmm. unknown there is like a contained fire and it's like once you find this passion and energy you need to like sort of put it in a little box and reflect Mm -hmm. on it and uh it's a card of like studying Mm -hmm. and um sort of just reflecting on yourself and this like newfound fire that you found totally um because uh that podcast also talks about like how fire energy like really wants to be contained yeah you know it's it's dangerous when it gets like out of control um so like literally that's what you see like a lantern containing a fire right that speaks perfectly to the idea of balance you mm-hmm. know like you can't mm-hmm. you can't have a you know forest fire like ravaging right. you know towns yeah. but like yeah. but a contained fire is actually really good for rebirth you right. know like yep. it's really good for the environment like absolutely it's, it's the idea yeah that your energy and your fire might make you feel really good but taken too far it's it's gonna go south you right. Know? yeah right and that brings us to one of my favorite cards it's so interesting there's so much going on uh the wheel of fortune yeah which is number 10 wheel of fortune (laughs) oh man there's sajak is still doing that shit by the way amazing which blows my mind that's incredible to me i think that he sipped from the fountain of youth or something dude he's literally been doing that my entire life like it's crazy just hosting Wheel of Fortune five days a week or some right. shit. <laughs> and there's Vanna. Yeah, right? Like, right? what is happening? It's crazy. So crazy. This is the first card where we don't see any humans, which is interesting, yeah. too. Yeah. Um, and 10 is like, that. people say it's like the reckoning with the universe. Um, It's not the end. It's always like 
the next beginning but you've gone through or the fool has gone through we're all the fool uh has gone through this entire journey and sort of comes out the other side learning all of these really incredible lessons and brings it back to the universe and trusts that it's gonna be okay like there's balance Mm -hmm. it's all gonna be all right yeah but just like the symbols in this is like insane wow i've got a whole page of notes 10 is blending is the blending of one and zero so the individual with god or the universe and this card looks crazy and has no human figures a lot of symbols the four corner like figures represent the four fixed signs of the zodiac Mm. so there's the leo um scorpio which its form in this is the eagle uh, Aquarius and Taurus, which also represent the four elements. And on the wheel, tarot is in perpetual motion with Hebrew letters like sprinkled in there too, mm-hmm. uh, which I know less about. Um, but <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> That's uh, a, the Kabbalah connection. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I really oh, yeah. want to know more about that stuff. You can borrow this book anytime. I'm just not even going to touch it because it's a lot. <laughs> it and is a lot. <laughs> it's a whole nother episode. Yep, yep. <laughs> and then there's a snake that's slinking downward and it's supposed to represent the Egyptian god of death. Correct me if I'm wrong. The snake. Is that a representation? Uh, I th- I, I'm sure that it can be. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Getting um, more confident by the second. Right. Like, uh, yeah. Yes. Yes. And this card obviously takes from Egyptian mm-hmm. symbols. Totally. Um, which I don't know how I feel about. It's yeah. a cool card, but I'm conflicted. Yeah. That what's, is. What's this little fair guy about? So the jackal. He's got the, the wheel is like kind of. The jackal dude. Yeah. <laughs> oh. He's so saucy it's- too. He's like. Mm-hmm. so he's supposed to be a jackal who guides dead souls oh Oh, that's That's definitely egyptian Egyptian. yeah yeah and then obviously the sphinx Mm -hmm. um is supposed to like represent resurrection so through all of its stolen imagery (laughs) (laughs) appropriation it's like a card (laughs) right it's like a lot of appropriation but it's supposed to represent like fate reminding us that we really are at the mercy of the universe and Mm -hmm. don't have control and the only thing we can really count on is that the wheel will keep turning right Um, through anubis's butt cheeks (laughs) like that that little booty cheeks popping in front of the wheel (laughs) so funny so (laughs) this is a part where i could like skip around a little if if like it starts to get too long because there are like 26 yeah we're major. <laughs> yeah I mean, we're on like an hour and a half yeah yeah, yeah. so, so i think wanna... like greatest hits like yeah, yeah. Let's, let's hit greatest some of the hits. big ones and then yeah kinda... i think death devil tower is a good oh yes mm. yeah. yes i mean death definitely we gotta we gotta hit that I feel okay. like because death is the card yes. that most okay. people freak out when they get. Right. Yes. It's like literally death and the devil. Literally everybody gets the death card. Because it's such it, a good card. It's a great card. Yeah. If you get the death card, it's okay. Don't be scared. Don't That's, be scared. It's fine. Yeah, it looks scary, but um, it's not. I mean, there's a death bringer who is a skeleton, but it doesn't. This actually isn't the true death of the fool. Mm-hmm. This is like his 
spiritual death and it's just like a rebirth i mean it has some scary stuff like there's a dead person right right um but there is like a sunrise on the horizon mm-hmm. and like a flower on his flag yeah. that's like there's a new day and like, totally and a white horse that takes up most of the car yes so like that's cool mm-hmm. so it's like it's not a bad card whatsoever um it just looks a little scary Definitely. yeah yeah I think the devil is also like mm. a very well known card. The devil. The devil. <laughs> it's the devil. <laughs> God. Um, oh. And I mean, yeah, this is real scary. Yeah. It's like a demon. Oh, like, shit. I haven't seen yeah. this one. See, I've just seen the wild unknown what one, which is like it's very a really cute goat with its right. feet on fire. Right. Oh. Which that you know, makes sense. but that is. What's the devil card look like in the toast deck? Is it like I don't even remember. Dark? Maybe I blocked it out. Okay. So there is like a goat-headed devil with wings and horns and a pentagram. Um, and the lovers are back, and they have horns and chains around their necks, but the chains are pretty loose. Mm. So you could infer that. Oh, good it's voluntary totally. like they don't have to be there so yeah the devil can uh represent like any kind of addiction it could be like a turning point recognizing these chains are here but i don't have to be here yeah like it could it's just like a card of being stuck right and like right. recognizing that you're stuck and it's like a warning like this <laughs> Not necessarily this could happen, <laughs> but like, you know, things could take a turn for the worse if you don't realize that you're stuck and make a, a change to rebalance yourself. It's like a warning more than a right uh, prediction. Exactly. Yeah. Which I think is uh, true of like most of the totally. deck. It's not like this is going to happen. Yeah, like, like a lot of negative make sure cards. sure this doesn't happen. Exactly. Yeah. Be yeah. aware. Yeah, exactly. I think actually so. I think in the Rider Waite deck, the devil card is a little more... Um, uh, Judeo-Christian centric mm-hmm. like it's kind of in the toast deck it's actually kind of interesting so there is a, a goat mm-hmm. as yes. we all know with some crazy horns Black Philip, the devil Black <laughs> Philip, Black Philip. <laughs> Black Philip. Um, <laughs> but like it's got some crazy horns and he's he's the main focus he's looking right at you like he's mm-hmm. looking you in the eyes and then there's like below him there's like these two kind of like egg-ish shapes and there are these oh, yeah. bodies that they seem to be in almost like a dance with each other mm-hmm. as though, but it's like a, they all seem to be kind of struggling. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's like a struggle like that's going on. Oh. Yeah. So oh, it's, I wow. mean, it, it, it's definitely kind huh. of concerning. Yeah. But also <laughs> the goat is smiling. So I that mean, that sort of makes me. sense because he was he's like, a devil. He's a devil. He's yeah. A, he's a devil and he yep. is happy that you're well, having a hard right? time. Um, he, he was a dark man. He was probably like, this ain't so bad. Right. Right. This is you my know? breakfast. This oh. is <laughs> <laughs> Visually, though, I also just it's interesting to me that like this image is like in pink and purple watercolor. Right. You know what I right. mean? Very it, interesting. It kind yeah. of like it definitely it juxtaposes the meaning yeah whereas the... with a rider weight deck it's black and orange right like it's very like 
It's like you're in hell. Yeah. <laughs> but the devil in the... The colors of hell. Right? <laughs> the devil Black in the and deck, it's definitely, there's a more peaceful view mm-hmm. of the devil, which makes perfect sense. Yeah. Because it's Aleister Crowley, and mm. that was kind of his vibe. Totes. Yes. It's an interesting image, though. I'm going to be thinking about this for a long time. <laughs> I think the goat has like some, he's wearing some kind of wreath on his head too. There's some Egyptian imagery very small in that too. Do you see that? Mm. The little podium thing? Like the um, wings of Horus. Yes. And then the sun disc in the middle. Interesting. Man. So many layers. (laughs) Lots of things going on, you guys. I feel like you could do an entire paper on like one card, like oh, an entire seriously? research paper. 100%. Tips for all you young scholars out <laughs> there. Word. And I think I'll just do quickly the tower in the world and then that it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the other cards the tower are just is like, a good one. I like the, the tower. tower I, w- I feel like is maybe the scariest, but um, that's why I like just yeah. kidding. Um, <laughs> no, I just find it very it's, interesting. It is interesting though. It's like the illustrations yeah. are always really, I'm going to look that yeah. one up in the toast yeah. too. I think so in the writer weight, it's like a tower that's being struck by lightning and there's mm-hmm. fire and like people falling Yeah, also on fire. Um, <laughs> Falling um, out of a tower on fire. Right? <laughs> Everything's bad. <laughs> um, I think in the the wild unknown, it's like a a big tree that's yeah. been struck. Yeah, it's yeah a fortress, which is you know a intense structure mm-hmm. that's been struck down by the forces of the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of air energy that is struck down by fire. Um, so like wisdom and intellect being struck right. down by like passion right yeah so the passion strikes down our knowledge of what we think we should be doing and sort of collapses all of our systems which is not a bad thing like it hurts when what we think we know has like come crumbling down but Mm -hmm. it's for the best right Um, right life lessons (laughs) yep yeah the tower is one like i've rarely pulled it but when i do i'm always a little like "Mm." yeah but then it can make sense depending on Totally. All right. So in the Toth deck, it's intense. Oh, what is even occurring? A lot of color. A lot of reds More and oranges. Orange, red, and black, the color of hell, <laughs> death. <laughs> it's like some little cubist figures flying around. Yeah. It honestly looks like Picasso might have been, like, for real. It's very cubist. That Picasso's is very hell. interesting. Picasso's hell. That Whoa. sounds awful. Inferno yeah. de Picasso. Yeah. Seriously. That is Look a really that. interesting card. And there's like the Whoa. eye of Sauron at the top. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> interesting. Thanks, Jen. Yeah. And because, uh, yeah, there are like some kind of like body, like very cubist bodies. Right? Kind of surprisingly falling. cubist. Yeah. Like, where did that come from? <laughs> yeah. Whoa. This is like hardcore cubist. And well, this deck came out, I want to say like the 30s or 40s. Oh, okay. So oh. cubism was oh. a thing. Okay. Um, when the Toast deck came out. <laughs> Maybe whoever illustrated this considered cubism to be a version of hell. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know? Yeah, but even like the flames are cubist. There's clearly some kind of structure that's falling down. But then there's a dove up top and like kind of a dragon. Mm. And I guess oh. that's it. Like cubist structure. 
that's representing the yeah. structure that is being destroyed. This it's funny. I feel like it switched. This one's considerably darker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, than in the Rider Waite deck. Mm-hmm. That's true. And then I feel like well, it is the last really important card in the Major Arcana, and it is the world. Mm-hmm. The world. Oh, look at that! It's pretty lovely. That is that lovely. It's um, a good card to end on. Yeah, and I I read that in previous decks, uh, the figure in the world was um, intersex, so mm-hmm. she nice. like mm-hmm. had a penis as well as um, like mm-hmm. breasts, yeah. and it like represents the balancing of that you know feminine and masculine energy like the action as well as like the meditation that is necessary like in every part of life totally and that's lovely yeah even numerically um Mm -hmm. two and one it's combining the high priestess and the magician Mm -hmm. and the wreath represents achievement and victory yep Yep. also the zero that it creates is representing god or the universe and the four fixed signs of the zodiac are back from the wheel of fortune but they're not studying aren't these also the symbols of the of the four evangelists evangelists yeah oh shit they might be yeah i think they are yeah they definitely yeah the man the lion the eagle and the ox yeah oh evangelists Oh. And they're also the four, the four fixed signs of the zodiac. Whoa! Did not. It's catch all interconnected, that. everyone. Basically, <laughs> everything's connected. It's crazy. <laughs> but instead of studying books like they were in the Wheel of Fortune, they've learned everything. Mm. So they're just present. <laughs> like we know. So we get it. <laughs> and the eagle is in a white cloud because it's a symbol of spiritual ascendance. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fool. Uh, at this point in the journey at the very end is basically absorbed back into the fabric of the universe and the major achievement or attainment has been done and it's clarity basically yeah does Uh, anyone have a guess as to why the man and the eagle are facing each other in profile but the ox and the lion at the bottom would be looking out at us Interesting. Uh, it I don't probably know. has to do something with America, <laughs> the greatest country in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. Um, definitely. I see it. Manifest destiny. <laughs> that is an interesting. That is point. interesting. I hadn't noticed that mm. because those things like definitely matter. Like yeah, even yeah. Just the way like someone's head is turned. Yeah, exactly. yeah totally intentional. Yeah. Well, I want to look into that. I'm interested. Think about it. Tis a mystery. Also, we'll the solve. eagle is in a white cloud and everyone else is in a gray cloud. Mm-hmm. Mm. My quality of my laptop is not that clear. That's the um, spiritual ascendance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But okay. I mean, Dope. once you are like more familiar with even just the beginning of the major arcana, it's yeah. really much easier to learn the minor arcana, which is like right. a lot more cards, but right. they're all just an intersection of elements mm-hmm. and numbers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and those represent more of like everyday life things, whereas mm-hmm. the major arcana is like big life like right. world things. Right, right, yeah. right. So that's an intro. That was a lot of information. I learned. Good, I learned though. so much. I feel so. M- I'm like ready to like tackle my tarot cards. Yeah. Now. Like I took notes. Wow. <laughs> I know. Wow. I saw you doing that. You're Those diligent. are so neat. <laughs> Natalie takes the neatest notes. A, They're like, the neatest Nat notes. <laughs> really my are. notes and Nat's notes yeah, are very me. different. They're so pretty. And Natalie always has really nice notebooks too. Like really like solid high quality notebooks because they sure. last me forever. <laughs> <laughs> 
I never finish one. They last me so long. Um, but that was like serious, so much insight. And like I said, I am more connected with astrology, but like I found so many connections that I feel a lot more oh, yeah. able to tackle tarot oh. now. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that was that was fun. I feel mm. like we could do this for hours and hours. I know. Like, That's why I was like, I need to skip around. This is going to get real long. Just looking at every card yeah. and picking it apart. Yep. <laughs> that was super fascinating. Thank you for sharing your wealth your knowledge. of knowledge. Oh, yeah. My pleasure. We appreciate Anytime. it. Anytime. So before we sign off, Faith, could you maybe talk a little bit about how things like tarot have influenced your work? Yeah, I would say things like tarot i mean i'm just really interested in all like weird witchy occult Mm -hmm. things because they're just really fun and i think sort of look at the world in a really interesting way totally Um, and i mean that's that's what i'm interested in in all of my work is like taking these really abstract ideas and sort of making them part of the material world and I actually it was so weird I was reading I don't really read like astrological readings very Mm -hmm. often but I saw one and it said like it was a reading for like a Taurus Gemini rising which is me and it said uh your purpose is to like take abstract ideas and make them a part of the material world and I'm like wait you said you're a Gemini rising (laughs) nice Yeah. So, I mean, I really didn't know how just like all of these weird things I'm interested in would infiltrate my work Mm -hmm. for a long time. They were sort of like these separate interests and they I mean, they were always intertwined. I just wasn't aware of it. But if you've heard the alchemy episode, I'm really interested in that as well, which is really related to the tarot in a lot of ways and just like occult Mm -hmm. as an umbrella um, topic. But yeah, just mysticism and things we don't know, like the unknown is is really a good blanket term for what I'm interested in and how it creeps into my work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. That was a really esoteric explanation. But <laughs> no, it was I yeah. get it. That's apt that though sense. for the work. Oh yeah. Um, yeah oh yeah. I mean your work is incredibly <clears throat> esoteric and that's what makes it interesting. But like. the print specifically, like I'm mm-hmm. working from very concrete ideas. Yeah, from the, the prints tarot. the prints I think are a little more grounded. They're yeah. a little more um compared to, you know, like your work that is very uh reminiscent of like Anselm Kiefer and stuff. Right. That kind of stuff is deeper and if you're into his work you would love Faith's work, so you should definitely check it out. But the prints I like the prints because they're so they're so clearly connected to what you do mm-hmm. on like your bigger scale stuff, but they're just so much more like down to earth, like everyday, yeah. like you know, structured, like every you know. There's just more of a um, almost like I don't know, practical is the right word, but like kind of, yeah. It's like taking these ideas and making them kind of fun and like a little more practical. Absolutely, and then like it's almost like an introduction into trying to get more into your more complex work. You right, know? and and to go back to the tarot, like I realized I needed that balance after grad school. I'm like, I I really need to work in almost like the opposite way exploring like really similar things Mm -hmm. um because I was completely out of balance and like 
also sort of depressed after grad school. Yeah. And these yeah. prints, like, Hallelujah. making them. Right. I think we can all agree with that. <laughs> like, to be yeah. real, like, make starting to make the prints really helped me with that. Totally. No, I think that, like, just, I mean, I'm just making personal connections now. But I 100% agree. I think the grad school experience for a lot of people, especially I, just being in the arts, being you know, an artist or being an art history, you just get so invested in these really like heavy ideas mm-hmm. because that's the nature of it. Right. And you get really deep into your research. And, you know, if you look at anything too closely, it's going to get dark sometimes. Yep. And that's just like how it works. And I mean, for me personally, that's part of the joy of this podcast. It's like we get to dive into all these things, but it's also in this like fun way where we can connect with humans. And it's, mm-hmm. it's so it's more like down to earth you Mm -hmm. know whereas sometimes doing academic research is like oh i'm gonna spend hours and hours of my life looking really closely at one thing and 10 people are gonna read it it's very isolating academia is very isolating exactly and i imagine it's similar with your work right now just creating lots of bodies of work and like the people that see them are professors who like make you feel awful (laughs) whose only jobs are to try and find anything wrong with it right and there's a lot of joy in coming back down to earth and connecting with people that way absolutely Mm -hmm. um which is incredibly valuable and i think all academics out there should be reminded of that stay on the earth yeah (laughs) find some balance yeah yes yeah definitely all right so just some some quick listener mail i'm gonna read this one really quick because it's just cute this comes from brooke i made it about 10 minutes into the art history baby on marina abramovich which was our first art history baby episode Mm -hmm. before i started crying at my office desk wow it was the first time that her work was explained in a way that I finally could understand. Oh, I'm a painter and I tend to stick to what makes sense to me. You guys finally up- explained Abramovich in a way I could not only understand but respect. I can't wait to tell my friend in performance art about this episode with coffee in hand and cry about it. You guys rock. <laughs> That's really nice. That's so, nice. so sweet. That's so nice. Especially because that was like our first baby episode and we didn't really know how those were going to be received or how they were going to come off or even if they sounded good. Yeah. So the fact that like some like someone had a real reaction and we weren't looking for an emotional reaction from that episode like if anything they're supposed to be the furthest from something emotional that we do. Yeah. So yeah that was extremely unexpected but in a very good way yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and we got a few really positive responses to that episode so thank you so much we're really glad you guys are enjoying those they're just a way for us to kind of get the information out a little quicker and a little more to the point i'm glad that they can still have such an effect because we definitely didn't see that coming (laughs) so yeah and we'll i'm sure we'll do an extended episode on marina because they're like we barely skim the surface on her like there is so much to talk about with that woman Um, Another just quick one. AP Art History and Memento Mori. Hey, babes. (laughs) I'm emailing in regards to the high school student who reached out to you about AP Art History. I'm a high school studio art and art history teacher and have been teaching AP Art History for three years. The college board requires 250 artworks for the AP exam now, so I suggest spending as much time as possible with those before the class begins. You can download a PDF of the listed works and images from the college board site found under AP art history course and exam description. She leaves a link, which we'll put on the sources for this episode. 
Um, you also mentioned Khan Academy. They have a pretty good app, but I suggest going to their website and looking at the resources they have linked for each of the 250 artworks. She also gives a link for that. Lastly, I was recently listening to your Memento Mori episode, and it reminded me of an iPhone drawing by David Hockney from a few years mm. ago. Um, yes. I loved how you pulled so many examples of Memento Mori found throughout time. Thanks for making my commute interesting. Best Maggie. So pulling up that image right now. But for all of you, I know we have a lot of listeners that are like high school age doing the art, the AP art history thing. My so, high school didn't even have art history, let alone AP art right? history. That is yeah, really mine either. Right. I mean, so to speak specifically to those listeners, if you guys want this information, you can email us and we can just forward this out, right? Or could we post it somewhere? Yeah, we're going to post all of this on our sources yeah. for this episode. Perfect. Um, and we'll probably do a blog post in the future about it, too, because I feel like we have a lot of listeners interested. Yeah, in, what an awesome teacher. In passing their AP art history exam. <laughs> and we obviously want to know nothing about. <laughs> <laughs> but we want to help you. We want to help make that happen. So we'll add this to our sources for the tarot episode episode all those sources and then i think in the future we'll try and do a blog post of just tips tricks things you need to know and we'll research a, lo- a little bit mm-hmm. more so again to you ap art history teachers out there if you got tips and tricks you want to throw in there send you them our send way us your tips and tricks tips and tricks um you and i feel like that should have an echo effect on it like i'll put it on there tips and tricks uh, the David Hockney iPhone drawing. It says, death awaits you even if you do not smoke. Now wash your hands. Print this out, frame it, and put it in your bathroom. David Hockney is just like <laughs> like, a, like a little troll. And I, I mean that in the best it. way. I, that's so good. Memento Mori. So like, Memento Mori, shout out to David Hockney. That was pretty funny. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. And I also like that it's openly just on an iPhone. He just like wrote this, just like wrote this on his iPhone. And yeah. was like, I'm David Hockney. Pay attention to me. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Um, so thank you for that email because it was full of really great information. <laughs> Tarot. This was a Thanks. good episode. For all the shared knowledge, everyone, I learned a lot. Me too. This was insightful and fun, and I think it spans just like all kinds of different Mm -hmm. different themes. Yeah. This was a good episode, so I hope you enjoyed it. If you didn't, we enjoyed it. So So there's that. So, ha. Um, (laughs) If you have any, if you know any other information about tarot or have any thoughts on tarot or anything esoteric please email us at arthistorybabes at gmail.com check out face work go to our website arthistorybabes.com click that featured artist tab and learn all about her stuff you can also do cool things like write us itunes reviews and go to our patreon patreon.com slash arthistorybabes and get access to special bonus episodes which is dope it's really dope Low as $1 a month, guys. $1, you get extra content. like So much entertainment for a dollar. It really is. A lot of bang for your buck. <laughs> it really is. Uh, so check that out. Find us on the social media. Talk to us. We like to talk to you. Thank you for listening. Thanks. Thank you. Goodbye. From a
bed frame eventually if i ever make money again like real money Someday or I'll again what am i talking about again <laughs> <laughs> like when i used to be Who rolling in, that in grad from? school that ta money in a previous life <laughs> when i was financially secure <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.